Blog Talk Radio. Sing our way in here. Here we go. There's no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? Direct the El Camino. It would have been DWI. have reached a tipping point. Who's making it happen, Cap'n? You know who it is. It is Larry Goodman joining me, Stephen Platinum. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Pretty well. Pretty well. A little harried, but I made it, and uh, this this should be interesting. Yes, it should be. Interesting. <laughs> Might be an understatement. We'll have to see how it goes. But, uh, you know, thank you for lining this up so efficiently. Um, should be a lot of fun. But before he comes on, I'm sure you've got things you'd like to discuss, as do I. Well, a little, you know, it was quite an interesting weekend for both of us and for Georgia wrestling in general, as as you well know. Um, a little um, further follow-up on the IWN Explosion show. Um, <clears throat> the understanding I have is that the um, talent was pretty much set in stone for the show Saturday night before um, Teddy Long and Matt Davis essentially, you know, took over the reins as the bookers and uh, talent folks. So um, I'm, I'm told that uh, definitely changes are happening. And, of course, I've, it seemed pretty clear that they were with Shane Douglas dropping the title the way that he did. But um, I, I was assured that the talent in the upcoming shows will be significantly different than what I saw in Warner Robins Saturday night. Mm. Significantly different, Larry. What's your impression? What does that mean? Does it mean they're not going to have uh, stiffs there just to collect a check? Or <laughs> it, <laughs> what does it, that mean? You know, it wasn't specified. Okay. But... Um, that was said to, uh, to to a number of different people that that both that night and afterwards that that's that 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 is what is going to be happening. All right, I mean a, a league in flux, but they got a lot of money floating around, and whether they would want to admit it or not, I think I think the stakes are pretty high, right? They need to they need to get some stuff done. They need to draw some crowds, um, neither of which they've really done yet. So. I will be curious. They have a show both Friday and Saturday. Is that correct? Right. The Farm Center in Dothan on Friday. The JC Arena in Hansville, halfway between Birmingham and Huntsville, on Saturday night. The same building that New South runs quite often. So um, they have their work cut out for them. Um, yes, they do. At least I, I would guess those venues don't cost nearly as much as the last two that they booked. Well, another interesting tidbit is evidently oh. because of the COVID situation and you know the rentals on public spaces, they got an excellent arrangement on the building in Warner Robins. Did not cost them an arm and a leg. Well, that um, was good. Now, yeah. Now we both know the production equipment did cost them an arm and a leg, but the, no, not not the the venue apparently was not that expensive. But yeah, oh, the, I can't imagine the outbuilding at the, uh, the you know the exhibition building. Let's call it at the farm center. That can't be very much money. I don't know about the Jason right. Arena. 
I don't know how that goes. Um, in other news, we got a report in from our old-time Carolina correspondent, Jeff Richards. I saw that. I, th- I loved that report because <laughs> Jeff, I mean, Jeff to me, Larry, it was the equivalent of um, a knuckleball, right? It's like, oh, this is going to just be this soft, slow pitch. And then all of a sudden, whiff. <laughs> You know, his his little subtle way of basically saying, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but his report seemed to indicate to me that there it wasn't a very good show. But, I mean, maybe I was just seeing it from my own eyes. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, he's he tended to be a harsh grader when it uses the, you know, he uses that star system on the matches, and he tends to be a pretty tough grader. I was told Col- Col- Caprice Coleman and Judas had a really good match. He gave that I a one and a half. I think they would, right? Yeah, he gave that a one and a half star. So I haven't talked to him. I we only corresponded the email on this report, so I don't know any more than than what is written there. Um, but it was yeah, it's great was, to have the report for sure. So. Yeah, Steve, you know, I was going to have Dave Wills come on and give us a verbal recap. <laughs> but um, I. Well, you know, Larry, I give you a recap, but the problem is, you know, you got to get that metamucil. Whatever you got to do, Larry, to do, you got to do because you know you're old, Larry. That's what I'm saying. You're old, and you see, but I, I can't I, understand what I'm saying. I, I was afraid of that one. You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's the old uh, GWH Radio Wall of Shame. I don't know if I'd put that. Maybe that goes on the Wall of Shame. You know what's on the Wall of Shame? Cameron Cade, the Cameron Cade Ooh, interview. Good call. Uh, Francisco Chiasso doing an interview on a step machine. <laughs> and the other one that comes um, to mind is, ne- is Nemesis. Disrespecting Nemesis and Mike. Danny only. Well, but it was yeah. Nemesis disrespecting, the, the one I remember is disrespecting the micro-wrestler until the guy finally just basically said, you know, you're an asshole and hung up the phone. <laughs> Those are all excellent choices. Um, Steve Nick you got a and one? David Ali's <laughs> speeches um, for the first uh, State of Wrestling speeches. Um, yeah, they were pretty awful. I love the Wall of Shame, though. But I would, I gotta say, if those are on there, I think Dave Wills goes on there because he did something that only Nemesis had done previously, which is to flatten out the the mics and the speakers by yelling so loud that they basically went flat. So when, when electronics, when electronics um, are not rooting for you, when you, when you've broken electronics, it's uh, pretty bad. He's a, yes, he's a good guy. Indeed. He just, he just got carried away. You know, he just got carried away with the moment, I guess, you know, the excitement of it all. Um, oh, it looks like, he uh, looks like he got his from old uh, Gerald Briscoe as well. Yes, yes. In the end, he did. So that was that was an interesting little thing. And you know, you had mentioned um, in a couple of the full disclosures, and of course, you were um, pretty much on fire in this week's full disclosure. But uh, along the way, the the, you, uh, the sort of revamping of the um, Georgia Wrestling History website and the content of it. And just to be, I mean, I'm sure if people are looking at it, they probably have noticed there's not very many show posters going up there anymore, and mm-hmm. there won't be uh, going forward. Um, Rob, uh, Rob Rod does such a great job in his um, videos and his written posts about upcoming shows for the weekend. Um, you know, that's going to cover it without putting up a lot of posters. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of other sites put up a lot of good po- uh, posters um, Nick and Myron put up a lot of posters. So we're going to kind of get out of the poster business and go just focus more on the writing. You know, I just put up now um, Jeff G. Bailey's PWI style. Oh, my gosh, his pro wrestling, uh, yeah, his PWI style thing about Sadika and um, Mickey Knuckles. Really nice, really nice piece of work, yeah. Yeah, so just going to focus more in that direction going forward. Awesome. Yes, I'm planning on getting an article written Thursday. That's what I'm planning. So Thursday, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do that piece comparing um, King Lear to the current state of the world wrestling entertainment. So <laughs> look out for that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. So what was your, what's on your mind tonight, Steve? Before we get to Mr. Funk, we got a 
few more minutes here. Well, I was thinking about, you know, they have AEW Dark Elevation, of course. That's the Monday show. They only had three matches, Larry. Yeah. Three matches. And they were all squash matches. So it's not like they had this, like, long competitive thing. But it did make me think about how you could do a wrestling show different because there were aspects of that show that I enjoyed a great deal because it was filled otherwise with promos from the major stars of AEW and video vignettes about, you know, feuds and future feuds and stuff like that. And I got to say, like, I found it a better use of the time, you know, because it's dark, you know, you're going to get a whole bunch of matches. Um, and I'm, by the way, one of the matches on Dark happening tonight, I'm very excited about. So it's Rekitahaka against Layla Gray. Oh, um, and why that's, why that's interesting to me is not only are both of them smoke shows, <laughs> but I'm interested because one of them is going to win and one of them is going to lose, which means uh-huh. one of them is going to reach kind of the next status, right? There's the, the people that never win. But once right. they start giving you wins, it's usually a pretty strong indication that at the very least they're going to constantly use you, but it's also the first step to getting signed by them. So I find that really interesting that they're putting one of those two on the next kind of tier, if that makes sense. And I well, honestly don't know which one it's going to be. I, so. I mean, I like them both, and we talked about this last week with Tahaka's, you know, She's going to get signed by saying, you know, either she's going to be on the Impact roster or she's going to be on the AEW roster, it would appear. Yeah. One way or the other. And Layla Gray, I mean, I just, you know, I'm a huge, huge mark for her. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing her always at those pro wrestling action shows here in Florida. But she's popping up everywhere. Even when I had lunch with Ron Nimi, um, he was like, you know, Steve, uh, who should I book for my shows, right? Like, and I was like, Layla, and he went, Layla Gray, I'm way ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> and I laughed and laughed and laughed. And he goes, like, that girl. And I was like, yes, Ron, indeed. Um, but, you know, we got a few shows coming up here in Florida. ICW um, returns to the uh, pawn shop for a show. So, and I, I want to tell a quick thing about Tank and what an honorable dude Tank is. Are you ready for this? So, as you know, Tank has, I mean, Tank and Reverend Dan are on fire, right? They're getting booked everywhere now. But really, that came about as impressing ICW during WrestleMania week, right? That's how how a lot of this has kind of sprung free for them. And that pawn shop show is in Florida, obviously, and they asked Tank to do it. But Tank was already committed – to Southern violence. So Tank turned down the booking from ICW um, because he explained, I had already canceled on Southern violence once and I just didn't feel right doing it again. That's an honorable man. That's an honorable man. Um, You know who was not happy about that? Reverend Dan, who I drove (laughs) from Disney to Universal so we could have lunch with Jeff and uh, Mitchell. (laughs) Dan was not happy about that. So just know that Tank, you know, Tank really has a sense of pride and honor about what he does because that's a big booking to turn down. And honestly, I think if he went to Southern Violence and explained it to them, I'm pretty sure they would understand. But he didn't feel right about canceling on them. So he, he's going to be at Southern Violence. So. Hmm. Okay. All right. So let's see. We, how are we doing on time here? Let's see. we got our guest here. We might have him here. We do. Excellent. Oh, boy. Right on time, as I, I should have expected. We're going to be joined now by former WCW star and the host of the Get Funked podcast. We're very pleased to have Alan Funk joining us on The Tipping Point. Welcome, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Um, we're good. doing great, man. How are you? Ah, shoot, I'm good, man. I'm just uh, recovering from a workout. And you do work out. That was one thing that I noticed in that video is, like, oh, 
if there was any chance that Buff Bagwell was going to step, <laughs> he wasn't going to step to you when you're looking like that. I was just like, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but, one thing you know, I knew. You know, I just turned 50, so, I, you know, I got to keep in shape now, man, you know. Yeah, and you are. You've, I mean, you've always been in stellar shape, and you've you've maintained that. Obviously, um, obviously, the older we all get, the harder that is to do. Um, what's what's the hardest part for you of maintaining your like? I mean, because you are you're in really good physical condition. What's been the hardest part of maintaining that as you got older? Uh, you know, just working around all the injuries I've had over the years, uh, you, you mm. learn to adapt when you're in the gym and you learn how to do stuff that you can't, that you used to be able to do and you can't do. So you got to work around that. And the, the biggest part is the mental, you know, you're used to, you know, curling so much weight and then you, you can't do it anymore. You're used to, you know, doing stuff and you just got to, you got to get over that mental block and just get in there and do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a quick question about the the confrontation with poor Buff the stuff. Um, who's the the quote unquote fat guy who's who was with him? Is that his handler or is that just? Uh, okay, so let let, let me uh, say that I thought it was the guy that was on his podcast. So I seen this guy as soon as they get there, they're eyeballing me, right? So. I just assumed that was him because I didn't. Re- I, I heard what Buff said, but I, I really didn't watch the podcast. I kind of just heard the audio. I saw a little bit of the video, so I only saw it briefly. So, it, in 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 that guy's defense, I apologize to that that guy that was up there. I don't know his name. He said he told me he was a bus manager. So right after that incident, I I felt immediately horrible about the situation. Not not as far as the market went, as far as he went, because I thought mm. it was somebody that it wasn't. So I felt terrible. I really did. So, uh, you know, my buddy pulled it up on, on his phone, and he said, look, this is, that's not the guy. So I looked at it immediately, and I said, God, I'm such a dick. So <laughs> I, I, beelined it. I I went down there. He was talking to the uh, promoter of the show, Philip. So uh, I walked down there, and I said, excuse me. I said, I, I said listen, man. I, I held out my hand, and I said, listen, I am 150% the wrong. I said, I apologize. I said, I feel terrible. I said, from the bottom of my heart, please accept my apology. And I said, if you don't, I understand. But – I said I was totally in the wrong, and if you don't accept my apology, I, no, no problem. Uh, so he shook my hand and said he accept my apology, which was cool, because uh, you know that 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 was 100% my bad, man. I felt bad about it. Okay. So, Alan, um, for those who may not have seen li- listened to your podcast, um, uh-huh. the original, like what I guess buff was so heated about could you just explain a little bit the, the background of how we got to what took place in in uh, dalton yeah yeah so you know me and me and mike sanders have been really good friends for uh for you know 20 27 years since i've been in wcw he's one of the first guys i met so uh i i, I asked him to be on my podcast so he, he came on my podcast uh story that has been told a hundred times by me and mike uh shortly after wcw this was probably maybe 2004 or five, and I've lost track of time, but uh, it's somewhere around that time frame. We're, we're doing an independent show up in uh, South Carolina, so we all three got booked on the show. Uh, There's a local uh, car dealership that wanted us on on the uh, at the dealership signing autographs before the show. So you know, we killed two birds with one stone. Drove up there, and, you know, we got paid at the car dealership, and we got paid for the for the wrestling show. Uh, so we're all, we're all sitting there, you know, me and Mike got there early, like we always do. Uh, we're waiting on Bagwell to show up. Well, here he pulls in uh, under the influence of something. I don't know if it was pills, you know, alcohol or, or the boat. Whatever it was, he could hardly walk. He could barely get, get out of the car. Some lady was helping him out of the car, got him into the into the uh, dealership, and he, he got sat down. He was, he, the guy had some pizza in there. He was eating pizza. So uh, the line started. We sat there for a few minutes, so the line started. They wanted to get the autographs because there was a line of people waiting. So Marcus was at the beginning of the table, then it was myself, then Mike Sanders. So, you know, they start with Marcus, and they go around the table, and they get his autograph line in his hand. Well, this one lady comes up with a with a, a, a baby, and I mean, can't be four or five months old. Like, the baby is pretty pretty helpless unless, you know, someone's holding the baby. You know what I mean? So, and and I'm telling you, when, Mar- when I say Marcus is hammered, and I don't mean it in any disrespect. We were just telling a funny story. Uh, so, but he could not physically barely stand up 
like he started trying to grab the table and stand up. Me and Mike looked at each other and said, oh, shit, no. So we grabbed the baby, had Marcus sit down. You know, like I said, again, I didn't say Marcus was a piece of shit. He, you know, the guy's all filled up. and he's a, he's a piece of shit, like he calls out to me. But, you know, I just thought it was a funny story. And it's been told more than once. So I figured he'd already heard it before. So there was no disrespect in the story at all. Uh, so, you know, long story short, me and Mike hold the baby, the lady taking picture. You know, we handed the baby back. Nothing else was said about it. Marcus didn't seem upset about it. To be honest with you, I don't think he even remembers it. And uh, so, you know, we go to the show and wrestle, and I'm supposed to work him, but I would I told the promoter I wasn't working him because he was, you know, under the influence of something, and I wasn't getting in the ring with somebody and getting hurt. So me and Mike end up having match. So fast forward to my podcast, me and Mike tell that story, just exactly how I just told it to you. Uh, you know, Mike put his two cents in, So, but I can't speak for Mike. Uh you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, it was kind of the gist of it. We both, you know, said the same stuff. Uh, now, listen, if, if Marcus had a problem with me, he's got my cell phone number. He's called me before. All he had to do was call me up and say, Alan, you know, you guys made me look like a clown. You know, I feel a certain way about this. And I probably would apologize to him because I, I really didn't think it was that bad. So instead of having that happen, as you guys know, and you probably, I don't know if you guys see, seen the video with him recently, his uh, oh, yes. retraction oh, to, yes. to that story, and he was pretty brutal on that. Uh, and you know, I, I'll be I'll be honest with you, man. It, it kind of hit a nerve with me because he talks about me getting hurt in Finland, saying I should have got you know you know I should have got my face smashed again. And I almost died that night. The guy told the doctor told Mike Sanders I was going to be dead that night. So he's making light of a situation that almost took my life. Yeah, uh, you know, he's talking yeah, about absolutely. my wife, which which had nothing to do with the story. So he's talking about my wife left me because I was so ugly because I got my face smashed. You know, he's telling me I'm a piece of shit, begging me to say something to him in person. And he was the first, the next thing I would see is the four, he's going to smash my brains in, you know, kick my ass because I'm a piece of shit. Now, to me, that was a little uncalled for. I could see you going on your podcast saying, look, you know, you guys told this story about me. I'm not too happy about it, you fucking idiots or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the extent that he went on an eight-minute rant, if you watch that, it's an eight-minute rant about me and how big of a piece of shit I am and how he's going to whoop my ass. If, if he ever, I'm begging you to come in person and say something to me. Well, I, I, you saw the video I posted. I, I said something to him in person, and I'll be honest with you guys. At first, I, I was super nice. All I said was, Marcus, before you leave, I'd like to speak with you. And then I told my buddy to hit the video camera because I didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, I'm glad I did because it's good footage. It shows people the kind of character that Marcus has. He, he's he, he's got no character, man. He he uh he lies about stuff, and he's he's got no integrity. And and that's one thing. If you ask anybody that knows me, my best friends, they will tell you, I don't lie about anything. I got integrity. I I was raised right, and uh you know in a small town in Ohio, I was raised right. And if anybody says otherwise, they're full of shit. If you get to know me, you you'll know how I am. And for Marcus to call me out like that, I I couldn't let it go unnoticed or or without saying something when I was in the same in the same uh, bill, well, you know, at the flea market with him. Uh, I just couldn't let it slide. You know, um, I, one other thing I want to mention is that, you know, I listened to the, the podcast you did with Mike Sanders, which I enjoy. You know, I found it very entertaining, the, the whole podcast. But it, I think it's Thanks, worth noting that, that the story was a, a tiny slice of the whole interview. It's not like you spent a whole bunch no, no, of time we, a couple talking minutes, about Mark's right? right. Yeah, but you go on, he, he had an eight-minute rant of me and Mike, mostly me, you know, but, you know, me and Mike both. And, uh, you know, he brought Mike's ex-wife into that, Mandy, which I'm good friends with. And and I'll tell you what kind of guy Marcus is. They're friends now. She calls him and talks to him. And then he said, I got her in my phone as fucking ring rat. That really, she called me up. It hurt her feelings. She Because me and Mike weren't going to tell her about it. Well, she found out about it. And mm. she's not happy at all, which is understandable because she's, she thought she was friends with Marcus, and he's talking about her like that. That just shows you the character of that guy. So, yeah, I mean, Buff can Bagwell me is... can't believe me, but it's the, it's the facts. I mean, Buff Bagwell's a trash human. I think that's pretty much common knowledge. And, you know, I think about Larry. I mean, you would know about this. I mean, that Peach State show, right, where they booked Buff Bagwell, and then they were so kind 
right? They basically just had, like, two kids, like, bounce off of him and make him look like a star. And the audience realized what was going on. He can't move. He can't do anything, right? But the audience was so forgiving. And and I remember thinking to myself, like, you know what happens, though? Whenever somebody kind of gives Buff Bagwell something, it it never is reciprocated, and it always no, ends never. up biting you. And this is back from WCW, right? I remember those stories about, like, the people moving the carpet in, and, you know, he gave them nothing but a hard time and, like, took a swing at them. And, like, I mean, it's always been this way. I mean, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong, yeah, Larry, there, there or There was a story Alan. one time one of the lighting guys was pulling uh, the lighting cords and stuff in, in, before the show. Marcus mm-hmm. went around, I guess, somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be or it wasn't ready to have people walking through there yet tripped over one of the wires and then slapped one of the guys, a little skinny guy. You know, so that, that's the kind of stuff he does. And and the heat with me and Marcus uh, started 20-something years ago when we were on our first overseas tour. We're, we're over, and I believe it was either Europe. I don't think it was the Australia thing, tour. I think it was the Europe tour. So I remember walking into the locker room, and Marcus is in there fixing up the storm. Well, he, I guess he didn't realize I walked in there. He was talking to some guys, and I, I can't remember if it was Lex Luger in there or who it was. Uh, and and uh, he was talking to a couple office guys. Well, he's in there. I mean, he is having a fit over the program. Now, picture this, and this is something that I would never in a million years think about. He was mad because my picture picture was a little bigger than his in the program. He was having <laughs> a fucking fit. Like, he thought that was the worst thing in the world. Because he's sitting there going, this fucking guy, he ain't nobody. I'm Marcus Buffbagwell. This fucking piece of shit's get a picture in the program bigger than mine. Like, what the fuck? And I, I was dumbfounded. Like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, I, I didn't even realize. I was like, is this even real? <laughs> so that, that, that's another thing that adds to showing you the character of Marcus Bagwell. I refuse to call him the B-word because. In my opinion, he's always been jealous of me because he knew I had a decent body. And, uh, you know, you put me in that role he had in NWO, I'm ten times better in that role because I knew more than two moves. So I think I could have had a little better match with people. <laughs> That's just my opinion, though. Mm. But mm. so you guys believe that story about the program? That, that's kind of petty, isn't it? Uh, slightly. But it doesn't yeah, surprise right. I mean, I mean, in I, a way, I, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't surprise me. After At first, I was like, what, are you serious? Like, I, I didn't know if it was a rib, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, this is a big rib, you know, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> so that, that's when we first started having problems. And, you know, he's he's that fake nice. He'll be nice to your face, but, you know, he, he's, he, he's, he's so fake, it's ridiculous. So, you know. I mean, it, it was just it to is, get that out of the way. What's that? It is it is interesting to me because you know like WCW. I think it's it's safe to say that it was it was a Shark Tank in many ways, and it was a real test of character for guys, right? Um, oh yeah. Some guys responded to it very well, and then some guys, you know, it brought out the absolute worst in them. And I always thought that he was one of those guys that I mean, when he came back from the broken neck, right? And it was yeah. such a natural, like, okay, this guy's going to be a baby face, right? How could he not be? But then they, yeah, right I, think they, they I think they turn, he turned and went to the NWO, like, the day he came back. And one of the most, I just went, like, what the hell has wrestling become? <laughs> and so, yeah, right. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. And, you know, when the invasion happened and you know his debacle of a match and all like i get that there's things along the way that he probably feels screwed over about but he's never handled those kind of things well i just thought like every test of character he seems to fail thing that he's all his failures are because of him and you know what god bless him i hope he gets help but you know he's he's been on drugs for 27 years he's had plenty of chances to get help now he's blaming wwe for not helping him which which is horseshit because he doesn't want help. And you know what? I don't wish nothing bad on anybody. Even though I don't like Marcus, I don't hate the guy. I just don't like him. Uh, you know, but, you know, if he gets his shit together and me and him can, you know, talk one day and, and, and hash this out, I'd be more than happy to do that. But, you know, I'm not going to kiss his ass because that's what he wants you to do. He, he You know, he thinks he's bigger than life still after all the people he's fucked and all the people he screwed over in the business and treated like shit. 
it, it's all self-induced. So I, I really don't feel sorry for him at this point until he really wants to help himself. Yeah. You know? So, I, I mean, you know, some people might think I'm an asshole for saying that, but, you know, you, you can only help somebody so much. If they don't want to help yourself, it, it's going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, I, you know, we could get away from Buff for a little bit. Um, I So, Alan, if I can ask you this. So, where yeah. do you see your role in the wrestling business now? Like, what you know, what are you happy to do? What's your favorite stuff to do in regards to wrestling right now? Uh, well, you know what? I, I don't really watch too much of it. I watch I watch some of the AEW stuff. I don't. I I did watch the WWE pay per view the other day, and I watched I watched a couple matches on the. Uh, I can't even remember the name of that pay per view. It was just on Sunday, uh, Extreme Rules or whatever. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. the matches that I like watching in WWE are the women matches. To me, the women are seem like they're hungrier, like they want to have good matches. Some of the guy matches really aren't that good to me. They're just kind of everything's just too, I don't know, thrown together, and it's just like spot after spot. You know, it's like there's no psychology anymore. Even even we know it's a work, you you know, but still, I mean, some of the matches just don't mean anything anymore. And, uh, you know, they build up some of the matches, and some of them are just like, you know, it's just, it's just I don't know, it's too monotonous to, for me. What are your thoughts on the AEW product? You know what? I, I like AEW, uh, you know, and I, I hope they, you know, stay around because, uh, you know, the, the wrestling business after WCW, you, you know as well as I do, you need competition. One, I mean, and, and we, and they proved that after Vince by WCW. When, the ratings, like I try to explain this to people, you know, they're fighting back and forth, 10s and 9s and 10s and 10s, 11 10s every week. And then they're, after WCW got bought out, Vince was pulling like threes. So it's like, okay, so you were pulling 20, 21 million viewers in. Now you only got three. I, what happened to the other 18? You know what I mean? So you, you got to have competition. That proves it right there. So, you know, I hope AEW, you know, sticks around, but, you know, it seems to me like they're they're falling in the same trap that WCW did towards the end where all the money's just getting thrown around, and uh, now they're just starting to throw shit in together, and, you know, a lot of it don't make sense, but, you know, some of it makes sense, but it, it kind of seems to me like it, it may be turning in the old WCW. What do you guys think? You mean in the sense of signing people like uh, Punk and Danielson, and there's probably more on the way, and, and Adam Cole that they're going that that kind of mentality. Is that what you're referring to? But yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm talking about the money. So I hear they're just throwing money around. So I understand Tony Khan's got a lot of money, and his dad's got a lot of money. But eventually, if you're not making any money, I, I'm not sure what their buy rates are, what they're doing on the pay-per-views, what you know, what they're doing ratings, you know, what their crowds are like. I, from what I've seen, their crowds are getting pretty good. But, uh, you know, WCW was that way, too. But when you just keep throwing money and money around, I mean, Turner was losing money hand over fist, but he didn't care, you know. But eventually, I think Tony Khan's dad may say, hey, listen, you know, we're just wasting millions of dollars. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? We're businessmen, you know. Like, we can't just throw away millions of dollars. So it, on that point, that's it, that's uh, what I'm trying to say. With like, And, you know, like, I heard, like, you know, you hear stuff in the locker room. Like, if you would hear, like, the money that, Virgil was making in the NWO, you'd be like, what in the hell? So, and then, you know, there's guys like, I used to be down in the power plant, you know, and Paul Orndorff would be sitting in the office. I'd be in the office with him. J.J. Dillon would come in and have a list of guys and be like, who who are these guys? We need to figure out who these guys are. We're paying these guys and we don't even know who they are. So they'd have a list of guys. They had Flair's wife on there on the payroll, you know, making freaking, you know, 125000 a year for, she, she was on like one show, you know, they had, you know, God bless him, the Macho Man, which was a good friend of mine. He got his brother, Leaping Lanny, a, a deal, making five hundred grand a year, never done one show. It didn't even go to any shows. The show he went to one show, and the show he went to, he didn't even have his gear, so he couldn't even work. Just it's stuff like that that you know that they're going to have so many damn guys sign AEW, and no one's gonna, and half the guys aren't even going to be able to work because there's there's, not, there's only so many spots for guys on a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah and I guess absolutely. that's that's a, that's kind of the million dollar question, so to speak, is like how how are they really doing financially with all the money they're spending? They've got good, they got a good television contract. They're drawing well. Their pay per view did real good buy rates. Did, Steve, did you ever find out, or is has it been made public what they did at the um, for buys on that last uh, pay per view? 
The problem is a lot of the streaming stuff, those numbers come in afterwards, but it, it is easily in excess of two, 220,000 buys. So um, okay. that's, oh. that's pretty tremendous. Uh, th- yeah, they're, they're doing okay, but like, like Alan says, you know, they got to be wary, right? Because at some point – Well, listen, here's the thing with WCW, who would have thought WCW was going on Yeah, they're going to have to let people go. And they seem very, very reluctant to do that. And, yeah. you know, at some point you got to. You have to. Well, I mean, you know, who would have said WCW was in financial hardship, you know, towards the end? Or or even not, even when the NWO was going on. They were throwing money away like you wouldn't believe. And then, like I said, they had a list of these Mexican guys they were paying, sending checks to Mexico, and the guys hadn't worked for the company for months. So, you know, eventually that's going to happen with AEW because you're going to have so many guys signed. You're going to have guys sitting home for months getting paid, and they're going to be like, well, shit, we got all these guys sitting at the house. Now we're losing money. What, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? So they, they need to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. So, which, I mean, I, would, I, I mean, Tony Khan's probably a little smarter than I am, but still, I mean, you know, he, it seems like he doesn't care right now. Alan, what do you got coming up wrestling-wise? I'm um, uh, what, what, how many, well, how many you know, ties do you indies. have your fingers in? Well, I, you know, I had some indies lined up, and they got they uh, pretty much all got canceled, uh, or they, they were, the money wasn't there. Uh, so, you know, what, what what I actually what I was talking about, uh, I actually talked to uh, somebody about going back over to Japan. Mm. But uh, you know, you never know. You know, you hear stuff, you talk to people. You know, ninety percent of the time it doesn't work out. You know, I don't know whether – I mean, I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I'm, I still got some aches and pains here and stuff. But, you know, I, I still think I could have a pretty good match with, you know, with some decent workers. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll wait and see what happens. But, uh, you know, me, Lenny, and Lodi were trying to get an AEW at one point where we wanted to do a gimmick. Uh, uh, and Arn, uh, Arn's kid, Lenny, trains in Charlotte. Or not Lenny, but Lodi does. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Lodi was trying to work through on, but, you know, we, we haven't had any leeway at all. But, uh, you know, it, we were, you want to hear what the gimmick was we're going to try to use? Do you um, – You guys there? I, yeah, yeah. Do, do you miss being, an, being really active in wrestling? Oh, yeah, dude. I, I miss it all the time, man. It, I mean, it was – you know, it was uh, – when we were in the power plant and stuff, then we got on TV – a lot of times, it, like I try to explain this to people, a lot of times I wasn't like like my usual self because Paul Orndorff would tell us all the time, you know, you guys go to TV, if you have shitty matches, you're going to get fired. So, you know, me, like me and the old skipper and some of the guys from the power plant were always like, shit, dude, we, you know, we got we to gotta keep focused. We got to make sure we don't get fired because we work so hard to get here. So always in the back of your mind, you're always worried about getting fired no matter what you did. So... You know, so that's why, like, when me and Elix worked each other, we worked the, you know, fall brawl pay-per-view. You know, I worked I worked with Elix several times. I worked with Mike Sanders on one of the pay-per-views. And, uh, you know, when we worked with guys from the power plant, we didn't really have anything to worry about. But we were always afraid, you know, if they put us in there with somebody that's one of the, you know, the, the, you know, a, a guy that's, you know, known on the TV show, and you know, it's a name. What if they don't want to do what we want to do and they want to job us out, we look like shit, and we're going to go back and get fired Monday, you know what I mean? So it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was kind of stressful. It was fun, but it was really stressful at that point for a lot of the power plant guys and a lot of the younger guys. What well, so what got you interested in doing podcasts? Uh, well, so I've been doing so many damn podcasts over the last couple of years. People have been, you know, wanting me on and, uh, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, you know, I don't know if they just run out of gas and they, they call me to get on them. So I'm like, you know, this podcast thing is I probably should have got in this a long time ago. So uh, there was a guy from, uh, I don't know if you've heard this guy, Piers Austin from Australia. He does the uh, MWA podcast, and, which is the network that I'm on. So, and he became friends with Vince Russo. So him and uh, Angel Medina, which is uh, one of the baldies from the ECW, uh, was doing a po- uh, podcast for Vince. So then he had me on his podcast, and he really liked my interview, and he thought I had, you know, good charisma and, you know, just – felt like I could talk to it and stuff, so he uh, he asked me if I wanted to do a podcast on his network. So I said, you know what, I'll give it a try. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's turned out pretty well so far. You know, I've had some very good – actually, right now i got a, uh, an episode on YouTube right now with Sonny Ono that's going right now as we're talking. Uh, 
But nice. it's, it's been fun. I wish I would have got into it a couple of years ago, you know. Do you have a um, set uh, day and time that your shows drop? Uh, yeah, Tuesdays at 7 is, is my show. It used to be live on Thursdays. And then uh, what happened was uh, Piers was talking to Vince, and he wanted us to go on the Realm Network, which is Vince's video network for the podcast. Uh, so we, we got on Vince's network, so I had to change my times up. And uh, Vince had rights to our podcast for four weeks before we could release them on YouTube. So, uh, you know, he, he had that for a few weeks, and then, uh, you know, whatever happened, I don't want to say, you know, anything bad happened, but, you know, uh, things weren't kind of going with what we were promised or whatever. Uh, you can imagine how that works in the wrestling business. But uh, <laughs> So we decided to get back off his uh, network and uh, – you know, and then you know, I got nothing, nothing but good things to say about Vince Russo. Don't get me wrong, because you know he helped me get my start. You know, with that query character and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. but you know, it just didn't work out on us that works, so we're back on our own on the on the MWA podcast network. Cool. Nice. Anything you want? Anything you want to plug before we let you go? Uh, other than my podcast, no. I mean, you know, you can check out my podcast. Uh, it's on the uh, YouTube. Uh, and I do have another podcast on Thursday with Angel Medina, which is the uh, – the, he's an ECW original from the Baldies. Uh, we do a show live. It's on Twitch or uh, YouTube with the uh, MWA uh, podcast network. So you can check that Great. out, MWA World. And, uh, but, you know, my show uh, – I, I record my show. It shows uh, – it's on every Tuesday nights at 7 uh, on uh, YouTube. And I think you can listen to the audio on Spotify and wherever else you get uh, you, you know your podcast. Well, we appreciate you giving Excellent. us some of your time and explaining the give, giving us a little bit of the background of like what what led up to all that. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, the, you know, I, I think I think I proved my point with the video and stuff. So you know, I, I don't I don't have to say anything else. Uh, you know, there's no sense of beating a dead horse. You guys saw the video, mm-hmm. so. You know, people can, no matter what, people are going to come to their own conclusion on what happened anyway. So, you know, whether they believe me or not, you know, it was nice that you guys gave me an opportunity to uh, tell my side of the story, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, Thank you man. Yeah, man, anytime you guys need me, holler at me. You got my number. We'll, or, well, Larry's we'll got do. my number. Yep, will do. So I, I appreciate it, guys. Thank, thank you so much for having me on tonight. You're All welcome. right. Thanks a lot, man. All right, guys. Have a good night. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he didn't—he he didn't say this on, on there, but uh, you know, other folks who were up there Thursday night said Buff was messed up at the show Thursday night too, when when this incident took place. Yeah. So I mean, Buff's been perpetually messed up for a while, unfortunately. And one always hopes that he can kind of get it together. But I'll just say, I mean, if you read that report by Jeff Richards, I mean, like, they had to physically pick Buff up and put him on the apron, you know? Well, that's what happened at Peach State. They had to, they had to physically put him up into the ring to be able to do the autographs and to, and to do the match that he did. He, he couldn't. I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying he was messed up that night because I did not have that impression. He just... You know, with with his leg the way it was, he had no no ability to um, uh, bend at the knee, and that's that, that's what they had to do. You know, I if Buff strangely reminds me of when I watched the Chris Canyon um, Dark Side of the Ring, and you know, because Chris Canyon is dead. Uh, Chris Jericho said something on there, which is like, everybody loved Chris Canyon. And I went, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Chris Canyon's dead and it's a tragedy. And it's a tragedy that he felt like he couldn't come out and the rest of it. But he treated a lot of people really badly. Right now, you can argue that, you know, he was bipolar and had all these other yeah. issues. But yeah. But, most certainly, like, he didn't treat people very well <laughs> overall. I mean, in, in the Mitchell story, you know, people are like, I think that was the most shocking part of it is just hearing the abuse that Mitchell took and still stuck by his side, you know. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, Canyon, 
for all the good parts, like I love that thing where he wrestled in that indie that the Bucks put on, and then he put over Brian Cage. I thought that was like a really great story, but you know, there there are very few angels in the business, and I don't. And I always wonder with Buff if something was to happen to him more drastic, if he was to pass on or whatever. I mean, how would he be remembered? I suppose people's kind of good natures of you don't want to speak ill of the dead, blah, 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 blah. But, I, I mean, much more to the point, I hope Buff can turn it around. I mean. Yeah, it's scary when someone doesn't heed the kind of warning signs that he's had um, and still isn't heeding them. But we can we can hope. We can hope. Hey, uh, we've got a uh, – an extra special guest here also falling in and i just hopefully just did not cut off blog talk are you still there steve okay well let's see if this is guys here i think we've got um action promoter matt griffin right here let's see if this is him is it you sure do oh great i'm still here cool see you how goes it how goes it well, yeah. the six uh, U, the six U Dodgers that my son plays on, just had a victorious win over the Fayetteville Smokies, and uh, he went three for three. So we're we're having a great night. Yeah. <laughs> well, Monster. Uh, action seems to be having some uh, pretty good times right now too. You got a lot going on. I constantly have a lot going on, and there's a lot of things in the pipeline that are being talked about and, and planned. So there's all sorts of things that I'm very, um, very excited about. Uh, we um, in June became a feature promotion on IWTV.live, which there's certain benchmarks you have to hit to get that. So we're very proud of that. It means our viewership on the services very strong. Uh, We've, uh, you know, we've got a lot of shows in a few different locations, and there's some other things that aren't ready to be revealed, but hopefully will happen. So um, uh, we just came off a really successful show Friday. We had the return of Anthony Henry to the Indies. Uh, he was pretty happy with the match um, and his opponent, and uh, that's, that's, that's just awesome for me, too, you know, on a personal level, because, Larry, you know that we go back to the Friday night, wild side days yeah and, and uh you know to, to be a, a small part of his run on the indies when he left and then you know to have his first independent match back was was very cool and we uh we had a lot of different unique things crowned our first tag team champions who are actually on AEW dark tonight as well so it's been it's been a wild time I was curious um, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about the um, next up tapings that you, you started doing before your main shows. That's, it's funny. It's funny how that happened. Um, I'm going to give 100% of the credit to Bobby Flacco. Uh, mm. You know, when we came when we came back in September last year, it was you know it was it was rough. Um, you know, we were we being extremely cautious. Uh, we were you know, starting out with our first show, we had 35 fans and, you know, as part of the, as, as part of the crew to help out Bobby uh, and I, you know, he's very important. He's a, he's a great asset to Georgia wrestling to a number of places. And he brought in a lot of friends and fellow WWA four trainees and they'd help out. And uh, we got set up a few times. And once we got set up somewhat, something ridiculously early, like two o'clock and, I just said, all these guys got their gear. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, looking at my watch when call time's five, it's like, well, why don't we do some training matches and and just have some fun and we can go ahead and give some critiques and kind of use it as a coaching thing. And uh, we gave some critiques, feedback. We recorded it and uh, we did it again. We did it again. And I got talking with Dylan Hales. It's like, hey, I think this could go on IWTV.live and be kind of its own little thing. And it's it's grown to the fact we got guys driving in from out of state to help out and get a look. Our, our last next up tapings, we had eight matches and all but three of them, I believe were multi-mans. So we had so much talent coming in just to work, uh, essentially a 
um, I, you know, a trial match. And yeah. we do put them on IWTV.live. There, there's commentary. It's um, so it's it's become its own little thing. And we were able to elevate for the wrestlers to the main show, um, which we've done before. Very uh, we've nice. been able to, we, some of the guys, some of the guys from IW, or excuse me, from next up have gotten bookings at other places off of it. Um, and heck in May we elevated, there was a match on next up that we were so two wrestlers. We were so happy with, we just moved them up to the main show on the live stream. And, uh, and that was Jack Cujo and Merrick Donovan. Mm. Um, and, and then Merrick Donovan got a future spot off of that. And he just wrestled Kevin Koo, uh, this past Friday as well. So it's, it's, it's a spot where he doesn't get a look and that the, those opportunities don't happen if he's not coming in to go ahead and, and get a look-see. And I saw you got a, um, go ahead, Steve. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, I, I don't know if you heard, um, the last full disclosure I did, but I, I went off and uh, <laughs> I tore down Ooh, a bunch of groups. Since, but then I since then when I have also, you ever done that? I know, I know. I decided <laughs> to try something new, and uh, but, so I, so I tore down shows like IWN, you know, um, even like to a limited extent Southern Honor and that kind of thing. But then I, I also lifted and kind of like talked about other shows that. It turns out decisions that they made, in my in my opinion, have paid off. And action was the the first one I mentioned, where you know there's oh, thank this, you. yeah, like where you know clearly you you kind of had a vision, you and other people, but you had a vision. And I, I said, you know, we need to think about the awards in a different way this year. That was how it started. And I went, is the promoter of the year the person who? gets the most people to watch a once a month show or is it the person who gets the most eyeballs on the product? Right. So, and so, you know, I just obviously action through IWTV, a lot more people are looking at that show overall than are looking at most of the shows in Georgia, if not all of them. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. How does it feel, especially coming out of COVID, which was, I mean, super rough on everybody, right? People had to do what they had to do and make all kinds of adaptations, and you guys most certainly did that as well. How does it feel to come out of COVID and be one of the few groups where your crowd is either stabilized or growing? Um, how does that feel? Do you feel vindicated? with? Because you guys were very adamant about mask usage, separating the audience, you know, the, all that stuff. And, and I'm sure suffered for it in some ways. Do you feel uh, we we definitely, now? I I do I do I mean we as as you know we ran double headers so we ran a six thirty show and then would turn around mm-hmm. and do a nine o'clock show so we were able to have and I had to raise ticket prices which I despise doing but uh, every single double header uh, made money um, it was you know obviously uh, significantly lower. And I would talk to the wrestlers, but, you know, this is where having a nice, uh, you know, trying to have a good credibility with the locker room really comes into play. Cause I can, I, I hopefully have earned trust. And when, you know, when some guys would adjust their rates a little bit to go ahead and make sure that they could wrestle and they were understanding and, you know, they get back with uh, whether it's uh, higher profile bookings that they booked off of an action show uh, you know, me seeing them and getting them to the FCI Futures or the Scenic City Invitational itself, um, getting looks elsewhere. I mean, uh, I I think our credibility with talent is just is we were rewarded. So I I absolutely feel like we stayed the course correctly because you're not really going to uh, do poorly erring on the side of caution, in my opinion. I didn't want to be yeah. short-sighted and look and look it's. And, you know, as far as eyeballs, I mean, I think it's very, like you just addressed with the most eyeballs on a show, I think it's very antiquated just to look at a show and say, it's like, oh, well, they outdrew that, you know, one promotion outdrew another. And, you know, regardless of what the numbers are, but how many people watch the show? If you don't have any sort of audience after the fact, you just did, you essentially just did a house show. 
I don't, I've never really run a house show. Everything I run is essentially a live TV taping because I can see the numbers that action has done. And I see that people are going back and watching stuff from three years ago that we did in 2018. So those matches that those wrestlers did still live on and are still viewed and still get credibility. And we get tagged in the, on the action account on Twitter of people. It's like, Oh, I just fired up this, you know, 2019 action show to watch, uh, you know, Ben Carter versus Sean Dean. It's like, well, that's cool. Um, so I, 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 I mean, I, I don't want to toot my own horn. You kind of, you kind of did it. I do feel like we, uh, we definitely had the best game plan for long-term success. Um, and cause I wasn't, I wasn't trying to burn people out and just have a short-term game plan and draw a couple of nice houses and that be it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's I, I plan, I plan to the, do this for a while. It's interesting to see so many different models that people are trying right now. You know, the, the old mm-hmm. house show model, you're, you're, you know, you guys doing the like the TV taping, the linking with IWTV. Now we've got David Marquez trying to link it with local television, you know, over broadcast television, and um, you know, IWN is going to try to do it with their website. Good luck on that. But um, you know, every there's just so, and and and, and then you know, so, and then you got Southern Fried basically while they while they tape the shows it's just it's a, basically a live show I mean they don't as you're saying they don't really get anything from it once once the show's out there right I mean and you know how closely we're aligned with Southern Fried and they do they they have a business model I mean heck uh, David Manders and I once had a 45 minute concession, uh, concessions conversation no kidding we talk about different concessions and maximizing and what menu items to offer uh, on the way to a show well. Uh, and, you know, so they're, you know, they are m- almost certainly more profitable live. Uh, you know, I think, I think all the business models are potentially valid. It just depends on what you want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my business model is, you know, I want to attract uh, talent to come in from out of state. I want to feature the best talent that's in the state. I want to be seen outside of Georgia. I don't want to be just considered a Georgia wrestling promotion because I want to be seen outside of Georgia. Um, we've, we've been reviewed in languages that I can't read. Um, we've <laughs> been reviewed. On, <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a French YouTube channel that has done reviews of us. And the only words I can understand are action wrestling and AC Mac. <laughs> um, we've been, we've been reviewed in Jap, um, um, in, in on Japanese websites and to have that sort of presence and model, uh, I think it pays. I think it pays off when, in December 2019, AC Mac had a few week run in Beyond Wrestling, and people knew who he was in Pop. Yeah, right. I think I I think there's a lot of talented wrestlers here who wrestle, and this is not a slam because it's like I just said, every model is valid. If you want to wrestle within two hours of your home and be home every night and still, you know, maybe you make a lot of merch money, maybe, you know, you can be home every night, you don't have to travel, that's that's a valid business model, but that's not my business model. I want to have the type of wrestlers who are attempting to, you know, make it on a national level. I consider my peers to be like the uh, Beyond Wrestling, the, the Black Label Pros, uh, mm-hmm. ICW. Obviously, they have, a, you know, obviously, Stephen, they have a completely different product, but right. being, on that nas- being on that national level, and obviously we're somewhat linked with ICW because we just ran their venue six months ago at WrestleMania weekend. Right. Um, so, I mean, so that's, that's, that's what I have, have gone after. And you're going to get a class of wrestler who understands that their matches are going to be seen like Friday night, there's going to be people who are going to watch it. And that show is going to live on for the next, for the next few weeks and months. It's not just a show that's over. Unfortunately, yeah, there's so you- a lot of shows because they don't do that. Yeah, they're they're done. As soon as the bell rings for the last match, they're done. There's no more. It's on to the next show. So, yeah, and so you've got a whole other life here with the IWTV premiere. What is that? A week? A week? Friday night? 
Uh, we aren't going to premiere this one for just a few a few business reasons. Um, we probably could, but we're not going to be doing any uh, any more premieres right now. Uh, we are really looking to load up because I have the action show. I have the next up tapings. Uh, this Friday night we have a free show as part of Founders Day at eight o'clock in Tyrone. Uh, we've got Alex Zane, uh, one of his. Uh, he's already wrestled. He just was at PWG on Sunday. He's going to be coming in from uh, L.A. I think he's wrestling for violence and suffering on Thursday night. Um, but we have one of his early matches on his return to the Indies. Uh, we have Jimmy Wang Yang and Jazzy Yang, uh, plus a lot, a lot of our regulars. Um, and then we have October 15th, we have a show where Kurt Stallion is returning to action. So we've We've got a packed October. We're really trying to to do something cool with IWTV. Cool, and that's a high that's a high school show, isn't it? Is the, is the 15th? yes, it is. That's yes, it is. Um, we ran there in April 2019. Uh, that's where we had AR Fox versus Bobby Flacco as one of our key matches. Um, and unfortunately, circumstances, of course, the last year have led us to not be able to run there, but we had a really nice relationship. It's going to benefit the East Coweta wrestling team, and it'll be Friday, October 15th at uh, East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. Great. And it's going to have, it's going to have Kurt Stallion versus Adam Priest. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's going to be good. Yeah, they both, hit, they, both, they both hit really hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thanks for giving us some of your time tonight and, and stopping by to fill us in on things. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Any more Any more questions or anything? I'm more than happy to oblige, but I know you're also running at about an hour long. Yeah. You got anything else, Steve? I, I guess he doesn't. <laughs> well, I hope I will see uh, the triumphant return of Larry Goodman on October fifteenth. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what I'm going to be able to do. That that looks that Excellent. looks solid. That looks solid. I'll see you then. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, I appreciate y'all having me on. And uh, of course, cheap plug, cheap plug, the Action Wrestling Channel on IWTV.com, where a featured promotion promo code Action helps us out. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Talk to you later. All right, bye. So oh, cool. Are you here, Steve? I am. Yeah. Oh, I thought you. I thought we lost you there. So I was wrapping. I was wrapping up because I thought you were gone. <laughs> no, no. I was ordering a smoothie through the drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was cool. Um, you know, like I said, I eat it. Uh, the only thing I would disagree with Matt Griffin on is not all business models are valid. Like I understand he's he's being nice, um, but I'm interested in the ones that are actually working. You know, like um, because it's not what people would expect. And, right. and part of my rant on full disclosure was about for the for for the wrestlers who are working now, they're so wide eyed, and I think that's great, but. I mean, I've seen a million IWNs. I've seen a million championship wrestlings from Atlanta. Maybe not the exact same scenario, but I've seen variations of the same. You know what I mean? And all I know is the people who who run really great, interesting shows have a hell of a lot better chance than the ones who use shitbirds or who don't have a vision for their products beyond right. we're going to get it on TV. And that's the part that I want the wrestlers to be incredibly cautious about because, I mean, you know, anybody who's been involved in wrestling has been promised a million things or saw potential, but they don't see the probabilities because <laughs> wrestling is based on fantasy, right? And so – People just got to get out of this scratch lottery mentality of, you know, I just got to do enough stuff and one of them's going to hit. Um, it does take a little bit of planning and forethought. That's why I wanted to give action credit, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because 
it is it has survived the long haul. And they don't have the charity piece anymore. I mean, that was a big part of their model, right, which was a charity helps sell tickets. And now they've now that they're not doing that, it's it's sink or swim on their own, thanks to IWTV. And if he's and if it's true that action has reached like the next level up, that means a lot of people are looking at that show, right? Probably right. not as much as Deathmatch, but still, you know. No, but if you're like, getting premieres, then that means more people are. You don't get to the premiere level unless more people are watching. So they've they're right. definitely advanced, and they're still doing some benefits, but it's but yeah, it's not a model of all of benefit show after benefit show. Right, right. So. Super awesome, Larry, and, uh, you know, great talking to Alan Funk, good old Kiwi. I was a little surprised that he's not um, kind of wrestling more. Well, Larry, where are you going to be this weekend? Good question. Probably to see what the new beginning is with Southern Fried. I have not really looked to see what else is happening this weekend, frankly, for wrestling. Mm. So I don't know what else we got going. According to Rob Raw, there's about five billion shows happening. Um, well, I'll, I'll need to look at what he's putting up and see what we got going out there because I have not really even investigated. There is a small chance I'm actually going to a, a relatively new show in Panama City, Florida. Um, oh, my gosh. Like, that's a haul like, for you. Called, that's a haul, yeah, because that's up in the panhandle. It's almost yeah. the same distance as going to Atlanta. So. It's a matter of money, of course, whether I'm going to be there. But if I am, I'll certainly let you know and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, Okay. But, but beyond that, I'm for sure watching that uh, ICW show from uh, Michigan on Friday night because i got to see Mickey Knuckles and Sadiqa. Well, and after after reading Jeff's article, it makes makes me want to watch it too. So if I'm not, not if I'm not at a show, which I don't think I'm going to be, I'm going to check that out also. And I'm gonna um, I'll commit to writing a report of that show too, because last time nice. I, I did uh, last time I was watching because I have my laptop right there I'm watching on, um, and my kids showed me because I'm old. My kids showed me, like, Dad, no, you can transmit this to the television so you can use right. your laptop for other stuff. And I was like, oh, I can kind of write as I watch. And, you know, I can at least take notes in real time, which makes putting it together very, very fast. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. But, well, thanks for putting this together, Larry. I know sure. it was kind of rather last minute, but, you know, uh, I, I had to hear – I had to hear the, the buff bashing going on. I had to hear it. So, <laughs> Well, and we'll just have to figure out when we're going to be back. Maybe some, whether it's going to be next week or two weeks. But we'll keep people informed on GWH news as to what's coming up next for Tipping Point. Thanks a lot, Steve. Absolutely. So for Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you for joining us for the Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. He's not up here.